Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. All right, Alicia, thank you so much for taking some time out. You are a repeat guest. You were on the show before, but I always like to to recap because since the last time we spoke, there probably have been a few changes in your business uh, <laughs> in your life. So it's, it's really cool uh, to catch up. And I love talking to you, uh, especially because you have the operation brain. I think we're alike that way. So I'm uh, secretly excited to nerd out about operations and all that good stuff. But before we get into all of that and the good stuff, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Nice. That comes from a song. I don't remember the song, but I'm sure you know the song. It's like from the 70s or something, and that's literally how it starts out. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, one of these days, I'm going to do a, um, a, a, compila- a compilation of all the oh yes that we've gotten over the oh, years. Oh, that would be that would be fun. <laughs> and have like a giveaway for the top voted oh yeah of all time on Enterprise Now. <laughs> so, Alicia, um, as I said before... You are what I call a rock star in the world of operations. And why that's cool for me is because everybody's talking about they can help you become a six-figure. Um, it used to be really popular to be a six-figure business. And then there's a seven-figure business. And now I hear people talking about the eight-figure business and the nine-figure business. And that's all great and cool, right? To have really awesome top-line revenue. But people don't talk a lot about the stuff that happens in the middle to get to that bottom line. So I want to spend some time on on that. But before I ask my first question, what do you think about that? What what do you think about this whole six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure entrepreneur? And nobody's talking about the operations and and how to manage the the revenue once it comes in. I completely agree with you, Elsie. That's why we've always gotten along from day one since we've been knowing each other. And you're right. There's no focus on the middle. There's let's let's bring the money in, but there's very little oversight over what's actually going out. I always like to think of it as a leaking bathtub. So imagine you have this bathtub, you're filling it up with all kinds of money or just water, right? Which which is an analogy for money. You have this cash coming in, but you don't notice the little crack in the foundation of that tub where water is slowly oozing out or leaking out. And that's one way of thinking about this whether intentional or not, oversight of operations, or as you so brilliantly put it, the things that are happening in the middle, the things that no one actually see, but they certainly experience. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? I think 
marketing is 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 sexy. Like sales is like, oh, I can sell. Why do you think, in your opinion, people don't pay attention to to the operations? Because it's getting into the weeds. It's getting into the details, the nitty gritty. It's the true rolling up of your sleeves and and dotting all I's, crossing all T's. And it's not considered sexy. I got in trouble once for saying that. But 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 I use that term and, and even you used it because that's usually what I'm told whenever I approach different event planners or organizers of any types of events that corral different small business owners and entrepreneurs together. There's the usual suspects in terms of topics that are covered, things like branding and social media, publicity, all these marketing and sales related things that you just mentioned, Elsie. And whenever I ask those same event planners and organizers of different small business events, well, what about operations? What about the, the the things that are happening in the back office, the administrative type things? Oh, well, Alicia, that's not sexy. Nobody's going to show up for that. But you know what my response is, Elsie? Well, neither is going out of business. That's certainly not sexy. It's And it's not cute at all, especially when it can be prevented. Yeah, I, I don't have the numbers on this, Alicia, but I, I happen to believe that probably in the top two reasons that businesses fail is because of cash flow and because of poor operations. I agree with you on that. So so the stat that I that we do have access to from the SBA is the fact that for those we all we all know what the startup stats are, right? We there's no need to rehash that. That most the overwhelming majority of businesses that start will fail by year one, definitely by year three. But for the businesses that survive that 10-year mark, only 70 percent of them will, will actually, excuse me, only 30% will actually make it to the 10-year mark. What happens is exactly what you just said. For businesses that will fail after that 10-year mark, there's a number of reasons why they can fail. But one reason, as you so, again, brilliantly pointed out, Elsie, is because they go from not having enough customers to having too many. And because they are not focusing on those things that you you call as being in the middle, they're, they're so focused on bringing the, the business in that they're look, not looking at the customers that are angry and not returning and leaving bad reviews and then bad word of mouth spreads faster, way, you know, spreads way faster than, than positive word of mouth. All of these things start to rear their ugly head and it, it creates this recipe for disaster via failure. And, and it's not something that we often think of. What do you mean a business can fail because you have too many customers? Well, it absolutely can happen if you aren't looking at those back office operations. And I know we'll get into more detail about exactly what we mean when we say the operations. But for now, suffice it to say, for your listeners, when, when Elsie and I talk about operations, we are literally talking about how you do what you do. Whatever your goods and services are, how do you actually produce those goods or how do you actually deliver those goods to your customers, to your clients? That is operations. That's what keeps the lights on. Yeah, I love how you phrase it, the back office infrastructure. So I'd like to talk a little bit about, and we'll get back to operations in a bit, but how did you get this operations brain? Where'd that come from? Well, Elsie, where did that come from? You know what's funny? And, and and it's not until 
being interviewed by people like you that I started to reflect on my childhood and I realized the impact that it had on the person that I've become today and the, the type of career that I've chosen. So growing up, I, I was always in a fairly structured, organized type of environment. My dad was in the Air Force well, he was a veteran by the time I, by the time my sister and I came along. And my mother was a health inspector. So she was one of the people who would go into different restaurants, any place that serves food to the public. And she was literally inspecting them to make sure that they were clean enough and, and met all kinds of different guidelines. So there was always some form of structure and and I'm watching you and kind of like an auditing kind of thing going on at home. Uh, and then I went to Catholic school growing up. So being around the nuns and watching how everything they did was very methodical. There was a lot of repetition. And it wasn't until I, as an adult, I started looking back on my childhood and I realized that was really the foundation for this, this operations, I guess, mindset that I have. So yes, I have this this very strong foundation in organizing and structure and repetition and things being methodical. And Elsie, I really thought when I was, by the time I got to high school that I wanted to become a journalist, but then I worked on my high school's newspaper and realized I actually don't want to do this, whatever, you know, to do the things that it took to get a good quote unquote story. But I did develop or realize that I had an aptitude for chemistry. And when I started applying for different colleges and universities, by the time I got to my senior year of high school, that's when my chemistry teacher actually took a special interest in what I was going to select as my major. And I told her chemistry. And she said, well, have you thought about chemical engineering? Didn't know a thing about engineering. And what's was was funny, there was actually an engineering program at my high school, but I just wasn't a part of it because I was more along the, the arts, liberal arts kind of track, and it's, which is so funny to think of now, knowing you knowing who I am now. It's like, really? You had a thing for literature and, and arts and history? Like, yeah, actually I did. <laughs> um, so fast forward, I, I started to, I went to college pursued a degree in chemical engineering and worked as a chemical engineer for several years before before I decided that, you know what, this was fun, but I don't want to do this for the rest of my career. I want to learn more about business because there were certain business decisions that were driving some of the things that I was being asked to do as an engineer every day, but I didn't understand the, the origin of those business decisions and went back to business school worked worked full time full time during the day went to school at night pursued my MBA and long story short I was in New Orleans Louisiana had this uh this intuitive gut feeling that I needed to get out quick fast and in a hurry and it's a good thing I did Elsie because I left at uh, I left New Orleans relocated to Atlanta where I knew one person at the time and that was in February of 2005 and 6 months later Hurricane Katrina happened in New Orleans so, so that's kind of a, a cliff notes version of, of where that background and operations comes into play. Whenever people ask me, well, clearly you didn't go to school to study business infrastructure. And that is true. So what I have been able to do, and I know you'll appreciate this being, a, you know, and I'm, a, I'm a true enterpriser. Okay. <laughs> I'm a true enterpriser because 
in true enterpriser fashion, I've been able to cherry pick all of these different skills from experiences that I've had in my life over the past 25 years and bring them all together into what is now known as Equilibria and the services that we provide. So there's there's some stuff rooted in engineering principles. There's some things we do a lot of writing and content. So there's that journalism piece again and all kinds of other fun stuff in between. That's that's interesting. I always like to ask that question because it's it's interesting to see the the foundation, right? Even on on the personal side, that have made us who we are. Um, that shows up in our business. So let's talk operations a bit. What would you say is the the number one skill, the thing that if uh, enterprises that are listening to this this uh, conversation, if they do this one thing, they can take the next step in, into operational uh, efficiency. Documentation, document what you do and how you do it. That Those two things alone will carry you far. And when you document it, document it in a way that if you were to hand it to someone else, that person could within reason, not only follow it and understand it, but produce the same result as if you were to do whatever it is that you've, you've written down. Think of, think of this, these, this is what we call processes. In, in operations speak, right? Get your processes and your procedures out of your head and onto paper, into some digital format, whatever you can get it into that can easily be shared with someone else. This is so important because really I like to tell people your processes are like your business's recipes, Elsie. So for you and everyone who's listening and, and for those who may even be watching us right now, think about your favorite meal at your favorite restaurant. Even if you ask the chef for the ingredients, okay, you go you go to the grocery store, you may have some of those ingredients already at home, and you try to replicate or reproduce that favorite meal at that favorite restaurant. Would you be able to roughly, would you be able to recreate it, Elsie? I, I have trouble boiling hot dogs, so... <laughs> My point is, even though you know the ingredients, you don't know the order in which to mix certain ingredients. There's certain other details that you need to know, like the temperature, the timing that to, if something has to be baked, how long do you bake it for? What temperature do you bake it at? All of those, what types of equipment do you need to use? Is, is there a special type oven, a convection oven, brick oven? All of those factors, all of those details are needed to be able to literally replicate or recreate that favorite meal. It's the same thing with your business. So a lot of times we, we're running around and we, we just know that we have the business coming in. We're trying to quickly deliver those services that we, that we promote, or we're trying to produce the physical, tangible goods that we may, that we may make. But without documenting things, you can't grow that team. You can try to hire people and ask them to help you. And guess what? They're not going to do it the way that you want it done. And then you're going to get upset and then you'll wrongfully accuse them of whatever. You'll fire them. And then it, this vicious turnover cycle starts all because you probably didn't document it. Or if you did document it, you may not have captured enough of the details so that that person could literally pick something up and within reason, without your input or advice, go and 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 create recreate that service or recreate that that tangible good or product uh, that you that you provide. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you with both hands and both feet. 
But I, I know you probably get this uh, this objection or excuse a lot. But what if I just don't have time, Alicia, to, to document this? And I, I, and I don't know how, Alicia. I don't have time and I don't know how. Can you offer us a framework and some advice on how to make the time and how to begin to document things properly? Think about it this way. Do you have the time when, when your business fails? You'll have all the time in the world, won't you? <laughs> have more than enough time on your hands. But seriously, we make time for the things that are important to us. I'm going to repeat that. We, as human beings, we will always find the time to do the things that are truly important to us. So with that, with that in mind, even if it's just 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, whatever you can do, if not daily per week, can you at least carve out two hours at some point during a week just to start capturing what you do and how you do it. You mentioned a framework. I do have a framework and we can we can talk about that in detail, but just, just to give some people a, a really quick tool that they can use right away, use your phone. If you have a smartphone, more than likely there's an audio recording feature on there. Just literally start dictating what you do and how you do it. Use some type of transcription service. You can use something like designer.com. I know there's Descript. There's so many transcription services. You could even get in front of your computer and set up a free Google Voice account and just start talking. And then, you know, it might not get the transcription 100% correct, but it's going to get you at least 85% of the way there. And then you can do some cleanup. You can save it somewhere on a Google Drive, free Google Drive uh, folder, uh, account that you might have, Dropbox, whatever digital storage system you might already be using. That way, it's literally getting it out of your head into a format that can be shared with other people. Speaking of a framework, I have a framework, Elsie, and I know you're already familiar with this, but it's very visual. And the reason I started tinkering with visual aids to help people quickly wrap their heads around everything that's going on in their business from a back office operations perspective and how they can organize it a lot better, figure out what processes need to be documented in the first place. The reason I did that is because you're right, we don't have a lot of time. And as, as especially as the leaders, as the founders, as the CEOs, the people in charge of everything every day, we have so many decisions to make on a daily basis. So I had to challenge myself to think of a way that I could get information out of these different entrepreneurs and small business owners that I was working with in a fun and highly interactive and engaging way. And one way I do that is by using stick figures and index cards, okay? And just really quickly, with these index cards, one of the first things for people, again, who are listening and watching us right now, literally take a stack of index cards. We're not talking about high investment technologies here at all. What, you can go to Walmart, Target, get a pack of index cards for, what, maybe a dollar, $2 at the most. But what I want you to do, for those who are listening, write down every single thing you do in your business. One activity per index card. You're probably going to need at least two to three packs of 100 index cards. You are going to be blown away at just how much you're doing. 
And if you're fortunate enough to have other people who are also doing things with you, if you have some team members, start documenting what they're doing as well. And then what you're going to do is you're going to get into a room. Hopefully, if you have people who work with you, you can get together in the same room at the same time. You're going to spread those index cards across that large table. And you're going to start to group activities that are similar in nature, group them into columns. So for example, I'm just going to I'm holding up here. I know those who don't have the benefit of seeing me right now, but but humor me and just listen to what I'm describing. So imagine you have these these three different index cards up. I'm holding holding up three index cards that each start with the letter B. But let's just say they represent different activities like deposit check, reconcile bank account, uh, submit uh, or pay taxes, pay quarterly taxes. You might look at those three activities and say, you know what, those kind of all go together. And if I had to assign it those activities to a department, the name of that department might be billing. It might be accounts receivable. It could just be your accounting department in general. But the idea is you have all of these activities that you've that you are performing. You're now grouping them into columns based on similitude. And then you're starting to figure out what are the departments that those activities are associated with. And believe it or not, Elsie, that alone is serving as a foundation for how you're going to organize every other aspect of your, your company's operations. So once you take it a step farther, you, you know your activities, you know how they're grouped into departments. This is where our little stick figures come into play, right? And I have some laminated stick figures and we sell these if, if anyone's interested in purchasing a pack and they're reusable. They're laminated so that you can use something like a dry erase marker. And what you here's 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 what's key about these stick figures. You want to look at every single task or every single activity that's written onto an index card and truthfully ask yourself in a perfect world, if you had access to all of the resources that you needed, who ideally should perform that task? So this is what usually happens, Elsie. We're sitting down, we're at, I'm sorry, we're not, we're standing at this table. There's usually a little small group of us. And here's what you start to see. The first thing they write is, well, that's me. I, I do task A, you know, I do this particular task. CEO, 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 CEO this, CEO that. And you start to see all of these tasks lined up under this one stick figure. And that's when we start to have a, a serious conversation about, well, Elsie, just because you can do this task, does it mean you should do that task? Can and should are two different things. But if you could delegate this to someone else, who would that person be? Well, I don't have, I don't have anybody. No, 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 no. Don't get stuck into who, don't get caught up in the who you don't have phenomena. Let's focus on if you did have access to those resources, who should do it? And that's when I'm just going to wipe this off here, as you can see, right? So we just wipe that off and say, no, you know what? It probably really should be an office manager who should perform that specific task. What this is doing is it's getting you out of that mindset of being the solopreneur, this idea that you have to do everything yourself, this idea that, well, I can't hire anyone because a lot of times too, what I find is when people start talking about expanding their teams, they automatically go to full-time employee. You don't have to have a full-time employee. It could be an intern. It could be a volunteer position for some college students just so they can earn some, some college credit or maybe be, be able to have something to put onto their resumes. 
It could be an outsourced position. It could be a freelancer that you're working with, another independent contractor. Start being creative with how you can delegate work to other people and get out of that mindset that it has to be a full-time employee that you have to pay benefits to and put them on payroll and all that other kind of crazy stuff, right? Just to get started, challenge yourself to think about how can I start outsourcing some of this work so that I can delegate it and get more things off of my plate so that as the leader of my company, I can focus on the bigger the, the bigger picture things that the CEO should be focusing on. Yeah, that that is a, a beautifully illustrated point. This would also work if you you're an established organization as well, right? Because a Absolutely. lot of times when you grow from one person to five people, there's a different skill set, there's a different roles, there's different efficiencies than when you go from five people to 10 people, from 10 people to 20 people. So talk a little bit about how, um, if you're an existing organization, right, how you can kind of, kind of use this framework to refocus, re- re- reorganize, and restructure. That's a great point, because what happens is a lot of times you, you start to realize the constraints, So even though you've put together a team, everyone roughly knows what they should be doing because there's the volume of business just keeps increasing, which is a great thing. You have you have the realization that you need to add even more people to the team. Or it could be that you all decide that you're going to go into a a different direction in the business. Or it could be that you're going to expand a certain product line, offer a new service Whatever it is, it could be that at that very high level, strategic level, that there has to be a fundamental change in the way the business is is structured on the inside. That would be a good time to go through this exercise again. You mentioned existing businesses. That's actually who we focus on working with. We don't work with startups because startups are focused on the marketing, the branding, the, the PR, the publicity, and for good reason, because they have to bring, they have to attract people to their their businesses in the first place. But we like to work with fast growing existing businesses. These are the companies who've had enough skin in the game. They've been around for at least three years. They kind of know what works, what doesn't work. And they're able to have a, they're better able to have a conversation about what activities are actually being performed. But to your point, yes, you absolutely want to um, get in there the moment there's a fundamental change in the way you do business or the type of business that you're doing, even if it's a new type of client that you want to start going after. One, one quick thing I, I do want to mention, because people who are listening and or watching may be wondering, how are, how are stick figures and, and index cards foundational to your business infrastructure? Here's what Here's what comes out of those exercises that I just described. Number one, job descriptions. Now you have succinct, transparent, well-thought-out job descriptions so that there isn't any any room for interpretation. It is exactly, you, you know exactly what you want that specific role to do. And now you're in a better position to go and recruit, interview, and hopefully even offer some type of uh, offer to have someone join your team. It also serves as a foundation for creating an organizational chart for your business. You asked, what does it look like when you have three to five employees or five to 10, then 10 plus? We always have at least two versions of an organizational chart that we create for our clients. The current state, meaning this is what it looks like now and maybe for the next 12 months. And then there's a version, this is what it's probably going to look like in three years or five years. 
just so that everyone has a visual picture of how much the company can grow if they continue on their trajectory. It also gives you a foundation for how you're going to organize your digital records as well as any physical records that you might have. And then finally, your workspace, it gives you a very good idea of how you need to physically arrange your workspace and it lets you know what processes you need to document per department. That's what something as simple as stick figures and index cards can get you. Yeah, I think the other thing that when I when I think about business infrastructure, I think about efficiency, I think about effectiveness, I think about scalability, right? If if you um are exiting your business, which I, I happen to believe when you start, you should be thinking about how you're gonna finish. All these things, right? If if I'm looking at a business to acquire, if they have a really, really good, robust business infrastructure, that increases the value of that business for me, right? Because I know coming into it that they have their ducks in a row. They have their digital records are in order. So speak a little bit to some of the other uh, right benefits of, of the business in infrastructure, right? The team is effective because they know what they're supposed to do. They have instructions on how to do what they're supposed to do. Um, so speak <laughs> to some of the other uh, really ben benefits of really doing this, this system well. The number one benefit, truthfully, goes back to your customer experience. Think about you as yourself as a customer. Even though you may not know exactly how the sauce gets made, you know whether or not you have a great experience as a customer. And a great experience means a consistent experience also. So this matters because it ensures that your customers get what they want, that they have a great experience. And when they have a great experience, that means you are a truly a customer-centric organization. Again, consistency is so key to having or creating that great customer experience. Could you imagine going to a Chick-fil-A, for example, one day, or let's say a Chick-fil-A where you live in Wisconsin, Elsie, and you're so accustomed now to everyone saying, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. And then you come down here to where I am in Atlanta and no one ever says my pleasure. That might make you feel some kind of way. That's a problem. <laughs> because you're so used to that. That is a part that is imbued into your experience as a customer whenever you go to Chick-fil-A. And then, God forbid, you go to another one and you don't hear those magical words. It's the same thing with our businesses. So for a lot of us, when we're first starting out, we are in it. We are in the weeds. We're in the trenches. We're we're delivering. We're, we're not just the face of the company, but we're you know, we're doing everything. And as we start to expand our teams, we, we're going to have customers who are still accustomed to dealing with us, right? And they don't always want to be handed off to someone else. How can we assure them that you're going to be placed into the loving, caring arms of someone else on my team? And I promise you, you're not going to have a different experience. That's why it matters. So always know that it's everything that we're talking about is number one for your customers. Number two, your internal customers, your team. Turnover is expensive. It's costly. And if you want to really be able to sustain the growth that you might have the fortune of experiencing, you have to have these things. You have to have that order and structure in place. No one, no one functions well in chaos. As entrepreneurs, a lot of us say we do. A lot of us may even be self-described or self-prescribed as a having ADHD. 
we think it's cute and funny running around like the little Tasmanian devil cartoon, but there's nothing cute and funny about it for your team members who don't thrive. They need the structure. They need consistency. They need to know that they're that there is something documented that they can fall back on, that they have a leg to fall back on in the event something goes wrong and they might get in trouble. Uh, so those are some of the, the the key reasons why this matters so much. And then the third, a third reason, which you you've mentioned is if you ever want to sell your business, guess what, folks? A business buyer is buying a kit. If you go and open a McDonald's franchise, if you go and open uh, a smoothie cake, whatever whatever it is that you want to open, you're buying you're buying that operations manual, and that operations manual is telling you everything from how to select the real estate to build your location to the uniforms to the scripts that people your cust- your employees need to say. It is literally telling you everything from A to Z how to have a successful franchise. You have to do the same thing with your business. Wow. We could probably talk for at least another seven episodes because we didn't even cover (laughs) customer service. We didn't even cover uh, satisfaction. We didn't even Mm. cover internal customer service or internal Mm -hmm. customer satisfaction. Right. We didn't even cover team managing your team, how to be organized in that. So um, I almost feel like we should do a, a specific podcast series with just you and I about operations. Oh, Elsie, I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, we need to just do like a limited series on this. It's it's literally that important. It is. Let's do that. I'm serious. Okay. You guys, you heard it, saw it here. We're going to do it. (laughs) Hold (laughs) us to it. Make us, hold us accountable. So I know, man, time flies. Okay. So what is the number one business lesson? You've been at this for a while that you've learned that you could share with us? Listen, listen to your customer. Your customer will always tell you what they what they want. A lot of times what we think they want and what they actually want don't always align. And that is a surefire way, again, toward failure, fast failure. If you insist on doing things that they're telling you, we don't like this please stop. We just heard recently, you know, I'm sure you've been seeing this in the headlines. I think, is it, is it Bud Light? How they just, they had this very controversial uh, ad campaign, didn't go very well. And, and I'll tell you an even more famous example historically is when Coca-Cola released new Coke that no one asked for, <laughs> but they put it out there and there were serious consequences and repercussions, but thankfully they were able to self-correct quick enough to not cause further damage financially. But but yes, listen, I know that seems so basic, but it is it is so fundamental to your business's vitality. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. What are you excited about in your business for the next year? International expansion. Mm-hmm. LZ, yes. So since you and I, just since we last we did a presentation last October, remember, at the Afros and Audio Conference. And since then, I've been to the Philippines. I've been to India. I'm about to go to Egypt and Israel in two months. But I am very serious about taking this show on the road. That is awesome. That is awesome. I'm, Thank I'm you. in awe with the, just the 
again, the, the focus and clarity, right, in which you operate your business, like you know your jam and you you know your lane you and, and you're exactly. growing in, in your lane. And it's, it's really cool to watch you put the things that you talk about in on your podcast and in your book and in all of the places that you show up. You're putting it to action. And, and as a result, your business is growing. So it's, it's really cool to watch. Oh, thank you so much, Elsie. I appreciate that. And that means a lot. That means a lot coming from you because I know how strong of a background you also have in operations. So thank you. I appreciate that. All right, uh, Alicia, apparently we got to say goodbye. Um, If people (laughs) want to reach out to you, learn more about what you do, get your book. I have your book. It's a fantastic read. Um, How can they do that? The best way to get in touch with me and and some and access some of the things you just mentioned would probably be to go to my personal website, which is aliciabutlerpierre.com. And when you go there, you can actually get the link to my company's website, which is Equilibria. You can find out more about the book. I have a podcast as well. Elsie has graced graces with his presence on the podcast and just anything else that you may want to know about process improvement, business infrastructure, operational excellence. That's usually a good place to start. Awesome. Awesome. We didn't even get to talk about like things like HR. Well, man, know, we didn't even get to cover a lot of Techno- stuff. So. The, the digital technology piece alone is, yes. whew, that's a big one. Yes. So we're going to do it. We're going to do a series. I'm looking okay. forward to it. I'm holding you to that, Elsie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, to, I have to try to catch up with you now since you're Miss, Mrs. <laughs> Miss International now. Um, I have to go through your people. <laughs> My people will get with your people and we'll make it happen. <laughs> Got it. Thank you so much for your time, Alicia. Thank you, Elsie. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.